Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. We are going to get to talk about P.K. Subban. We're going to get to uh, David Bastel and Sports Interaction. We're going to briefly talk about the Seattle Kraken. And because it is the end of the week, we will get to stick taps. The very first thing I want to get to, CJ, how are you feeling? Oh, man, it's it's been a tough week. I'm not going to not gonna sugarcoat it. Uh, since we recorded our last episode, went through my surgery. You know, the, the surgeon said it went well. A couple days passed, got the cast taken off. Man. Nearly fainted on the bed when I saw my Franken hand. Oh my god! Um, it was just very, very swollen, like completely purple from bruising, and then there's 13 stitches right up the inside of my palm from where they operated. So yeah, I mean it's 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 been a tough week. Funny story though. So Monday, I do the surgery right, and, and they put me right under. I've never actually had that experience under anesthetic. You know, after the surgery is done, they they take me to an initial recovery area and. Literally, this is 100% true. The first thing I remember, you know, there's a nurse at my bedside waking me up and she says, so so now that we got you under, I need to know the truth. Is Austin Matthews going to stay in Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> no like, way. Actually, the first thing I remember no was that. No way. Um, and so I ended up speaking about Austin's uh, contract situation with the nurse in, in the ER room. Oh, my um, God. She said her, her son's a big, big fan. Uh, she was she was being kind of funny about it. It wasn't I didn't feel invaded, invaded or anything. I should be clear, but it was pretty funny. Like, I'm like these hockey mad cities. There's there's a bunch of them around the league. But even when you're half naked in a hospital gown with your hand all ripped open, <laughs> people want to know what's Le- going on with Matthews. Yo, Leafs fans unhinged, unhinged. My the man problem is, is un- I don't even remember what I said. Like, I don't remember how I responded because. I, I definitely was I definitely was like a little bit out of it still. Um it took took me a little while to get my like faculties back to normal. Like I was speaking nonsense for a while, I think. Oh my god. Just... So if some weird rumor emanates like Austin Matthews is gonna go to the KHL or something, it might be it might be like CJ in a stupor from a hospital room. Did you take uh, Gino Retta's advice about going voice to text when you uh text the GMs throughout the week? A little bit. The good news is, is I still have use of both thumbs. Uh, the surgery focused largely on my pinky and ring finger on my right hand. It's my mm-hmm. dominant hand, but the the my thumbs still work well. And when you think about how you text, I mean, I can still get around there. Okay. I'm a little nervous as I get into, you know, these weeks about like writing again. Uh, I'm going to put out my, my big board on North Star Bets next week, um, aiming for Wednesday. But I, I'm feeling like typing that might be a little bit of more of a heavy lift than normal, but I mean, all things considered, I'm in a good spot. It's just, I don't really have full use of my hand yet. I'm still doing daily exercises to get sort of the the use of my fingers back. They're a little uncomfortable. Like the best way I can describe it, it sort of feels like my hand is like coming apart a little bit. It's not actually, but that's just like the sensation it has. Like it feels a little weird. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, largely going to be back to work uh, next week, I think as normal. And I can at least text for sure, and voice to text still works. But, but writing stories might prove to be my my next big hurdle. I'll have to report back on the on the progress there. Also, uh, just want to say uh, thank you to everyone who sent in tweets or any kind of well wishes. 
uh, over social media these last few days. I'm sure you've gotten a bunch of texts as well. Uh, we we got to shout out the people who were very concerned about uh, your well-being. Yeah, that's really nice. And honestly, like this came out of the blue. Like we're recording now on Friday morning. Literally this time last week, uh, I didn't know I was going to have to do this. I saw a specialist late Friday afternoon last week, and he said, you got to operate Monday, and here we are. So it's it's all happened pretty quick. It's like a little... A little overwhelming, um, but, you know, it seems like I got really good care. People like to, to rag on the medical system, you know, but I was I got in right away and everyone treated me awesome, except maybe that nurse. So I started spreading bad rumors, too, about Austin Matthews inadvertently, but uh, <laughs> took advantage of my compromised position. Um, but, you know, I was it's been a good week and I, I heard from lots of people. So I do appreciate all that support. Cool. Thank you so much to everyone uh, again for sending well wishes to Siege and, and on behalf of everyone at the SDPN. Uh, we're really glad to know that you're okay, and uh, it's good to see you back in at least doing everything you can to get to a full 100%. Right. And look, my hand's a long way from my vocal cords. It's a long way from my feet, too. I still managed to run every day this week, so my, my streak's intact there, too, for those that have been asking. That was my very next question. I'm also glad that the running streak is still intact. Well done, Siege. You're a trooper, man. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. If you run for three straight years it's going to take a lot to make you not run. I mean, had this surgery been on my foot, I think it would have been, it would have ended the day they cut my foot open, but, uh, but that hasn't, that, that hasn't happened. It was on my hand. And so I've been able to work around it and yeah, I'm actually going to hit a thousand days in a week and a half here. So I'm, that's, that's a big milestone for me and was going to take a lot to, to disrupt that or derail that. That's good. Um, we're going to bring in David Bastel now because I know we're going to talk about PK and I know I think PK is probably going to be a lengthy discussion. So we're going to bring in DB now and then we're going to get to PK and then we're going to talk about the Kraken and then we'll get to stick taps. It's time for You Can Bet That. You Can Bet That with David Bastel brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That with David Bastel. David, good to see you. Good to see you guys. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. At the time that we are recording this podcast, Connor McDavid has 35 goals, which means he is halfway to the 70 goals that I personally really want him to score, Mr. David Bastel. And on yes. Sports Interaction, um, if I want to bet that he's going to score between 65 to 70 goals, it's at 3.77 and more than 70 goals, 5.51. Take us through uh, the Connor McDavid total goals prop for 2022-23. Yeah, but you know what? Well, I won't even say some of the lesser ones because he really has to go into the tank if he's going under 50 or 50 to 55 is a 523. I don't even see that being realistic because I think he's going to surpass that. Uh, so let's get into the the nitty gritty. So 56 to 60 is 4.49. 61 to 65 is a 378. Uh, as you mentioned, 65 to 70 is a 377. And right now, according to numbers and crunching and pace and, and all that kind of thing, based on what he's done, 66 to 68 CJ is the number. I'd love to see that 70. I, I think a 70 goal score out of Connor McDavid is, is definitely within reach. He kind of has to pick it up just a little smidgen, which of course I think he's very capable of. That's a five, five, one. Are you, wow. are you, am I selling you on the 70 goals? You're selling me on it because look, as we're recording this, like the Oilers are still sort of straddling a playoff spot. They're, they're not in and you look at how they have success it's when Connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl to a lesser degree are, are putting the puck in the net 
And so I, I would only be worried about the, the the pacing of this if there was a situation where they were comfortably in. Maybe he plays a little less down the stretch, all those types of things. I mean, the way it looks like it's shaping up is they're going to have to put the pedal to the floor the rest of the year. And and he knows how important he is to the team. He plays monster minutes, um, you know, shooting. I, I, I think it's crazy because you look at his pat. He's never been a bad scorer. Don't get me wrong, but he's never been the best scorer in the league in terms of goals uh, the way he has been this year. But I'm, I'm with you. I'm inclined to think he's going to keep chasing those kind of numbers. And I thought 60 was wild when we saw Matthews get back there last year, but it seems like McDavid's got a pretty big uh, card to play to, to surpass that this season. Totally. I don't want to say I forgot about the fact Matthews has 60, but how interesting would that be? You have the Matthews McDavid right at the top of the league. One guy says, Hey, I could score 60. Another guy we're talking about him scoring 70, like just, just really nice back and forth between two of the best players in the National Hockey League at this moment in time. Don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. DB, we will talk to you next week. Okay, PK Subban, back in Montreal at the Bell Center for the Canadians-Predators game on Thursday night. I should mention, uh, for those who have not already checked it out, uh, the Jesse Blake Sports Report uh, his latest episode discusses that I'm on the episode with uh, game over Montreal host, Andrew Berkshire should be sure to check that out. Has himself a nice pregame ceremony. Does the triple Oh five with Carrie price siege. Did you watch it? What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was, it was like kind of a little weird just because it almost feels like PK Subban should still be playing to me. Uh, you know, he's not that old a man and, and you know, it, it's pretty quick. But that being said, it was a nice moment. And and does he ever know how to create a moment? Like, I think he just does such a, he's got a real sense of occasion. I thought he did a really nice job addressing the fans, addressing the, the current players of the Canadians, you know, finishing off with, with a, you know, some nice words in French to the, the crowd. And then, you know, gets Carey Price out for the triple O five. I mean, that, 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 that probably touched all the boxes of if you grew up a, a fan of the Canadians in the early 2010s and, and saw the success those two had, I'm sure that that hit you right in the feels, um, you know, kind of coming to grips with the fact that both their careers are are likely done. You know, we don't expect Carey Price to be able to return from from the knee issues that, that he's had. And, you know, obviously this is a sign that PK's career is over. But, you know, part of me the whole time is thinking like he's 32, you know, a little surprised maybe that he didn't find somewhere to play. You know, I think he was in a really unique spot when you look at it. I mean, I, I've started to see some of the TV work he's done with ESPN, but, you know, I, I think he's making more money in TV than he would have on a contract this year in the NHL. I mean, most players don't have that option. Most players are deciding they're, they're trying to stretch out their career because they don't really know what they're going to do next. And certainly likely don't have seven figure, you know, contract offers in another profession or an adjacent profession, you know, as part of the, the decision-making. Um, but, you know, part of me still wonders about PK and if he could be playing somewhere, but, you know, that that's maybe besides the point. I thought the Canadians did a nice job, you know, an invitation from Jeff Molson, their principal owner, um, you know, to to sort of welcome PK back into the fold. The fans had a lot to like there. And, you know, PK as always delivered the a pretty nice moment, I thought, under those circumstances. I have a lot I want to get to with regards to broadcasting and and everything he's doing, you know, post-playing career. So I'm just gonna put that on the side for a second. Cause you said you said something in that answer of yours that I feel I've been saved for a very long time. But I'm just going to put that on the side for a second. His legacy as a Montreal Canadiens player. 
What do you think it is? What from what you've remember watching from from him playing, and I could always tap in with what I've seen too growing up in the city. Like, what do you think of PK's legacy as a Canadians player? I think for me, it's just like someone who really embraced the the stage and the setting that he had in Montreal. Like someone who never really shied away from the attention, from the scrutiny at times, the debate about his play or the way he's being used in the lineup, or you know, all the things that happen when you're when you're a front line top of the roster player in a big Canadian market or with a, a fan base that, that is very passionate. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that comes with it that's that that you don't just get anywhere else. I mean, he didn't probably get it to the same degree even when he went to Nashville and had a lot of success, especially early on. You know, that was that was a different environment for him. But I, I thought he he always kind of embraced the stage and and really did a nice job of that. And so that that's what I think of. I mean, kind of amazing he only played in Montreal seven years, I believe it was seven seasons. If it kind of feels like longer that's what I mean. Like I, I'm still having trouble like catching my mind up to the fact that we're talking about him in the past tense as a player. Um, you know, it, it feels a little premature to me, um, a little bit. And and so yeah, I, I think someone who just loved being a Canadian who who wore the sweater with pride. Um, you know that that team didn't quite get over the hump in his best days with them, but uh, you know certainly I'll remember personally too. I covered the 2014 playoff run. For the Canadians, they got to the Eastern Conference Final against the Rangers. You know, had Carey Price get injured in the first game of that series, which might have altered the outcome in some ways. Um, but PK was amazing in those games and was really a sort of emotional and on ice leader of that team too. You you look at his career as a Montreal Canadiens player, and you think of all these different like memories, like the 2014 playoffs. That's that's the year he comes out of the box, the goal out of the penalty box. I was like in the that. I remember like that. that. That must have been one of the loudest times the Bell Center has ever gotten that loud. Just watching on TV, you feel how loud, how loud the place was. Like that is like if you do like a list of like PK Subban's best moments as a Montreal Canadian, that might be number one with a bullet point. And he scored in overtime against Boston in Boston too. He did. He did. Um, yeah, I mean, I but like that's that's part of it. I think that's. And you actually heard it in what he was saying to the current players is just sort of the fans here will will embrace you if you give leave it all on the ice. And I, I feel like, well, there's there's a lot of off ice kind of discussion about PK, how he how he might have rubbed some teammates the wrong way or this or that. I mean, I don't think there's much debate about, you know, what he gave to the franchise on the ice. And he was a tremendous player. He won a Norris trophy, um, you know, while wearing the team sweater and, and you know, was really big in those big games. And, you know, that's, that's what sticks out in my mind. That's, that's, that's kind of how I remember him as a Canadian. I think that's why, I mean, look, Andre Markov played what 900 plus games as a Canadian that they haven't yet honored him. I'm sure they will at some point in time, but the fact that they've done this so soon, I think it does speak to like, there was some, there's an emotional quality about what PK brought out in the fans and the people Montreal. And, and, you know, I think the organization wanted to, to embrace that and, and, and honor that basically at the earliest opportunity after his career's ended. I think if anything for Andre Markov, like the fact that the Canadians are willing to do something like this for for PK Subban, like that opens the door for them to do this for for Andre Markov. I remember Jeff Molson saying, I think like the first offseason after the first first year after he left, saying like, yeah, we're going to find a way to bring back Andre Markov to honor him in the future. So if they're going to do that for PK, it'll probably happen for Andre. And imagine what it's going to be like for Carey Price when it comes time for him. And that day comes like. I think it's cool. You know, this this is a franchise that has all this pageantry 
and this success for all the success that they've endured throughout its its illustrious history. And they're at a point now where, okay, fine. They haven't won that many cups and who knows who's the next guy to have their number retired. So if you can't retire a guy like PK's number, you know, doing something like what you did yesterday is like the next best thing. And you still get a lot of fans who get to appreciate the player and it's still a nice gesture. It's a, it's a cool thing. I think what the Canadians did. Yeah. And it's great for PK and his family. It seemed like he had all his friends out, obviously. I saw his parents there. Like, like it's, it's a pretty neat recognition, even if it doesn't come with the the official Jersey retirement, you might see somewhere else. I mean, I'll be curious what they do with, with price. I think that there might be more of a case just because he spent his whole career there and where he lines up on some of their all-time, you know, lists with, with wins absolutely, and, and all that to maybe retire his number. I don't, I don't know what they'll do. I mean, there's, there's a real burden when you've had the, the success over a hundred plus years that the organization has, because let's face it, there's not going to be another era where you have individual players who win eight cups on your roster. Like it's, I mean, the the best teams, the the Tampa's and the Chicago's and Pittsburgh's from the modern era, those are those are three Stanley Cup teams. You know what I mean? Like that's that's iconic level in in today's day and age. And so there's going to have to be some adjustment of those standards. And and I can't imagine the debate must be very difficult behind the scenes. I would think when it when it comes time to make those decisions. Um, but I, I thought this was I thought I did think it was nice. It just as I said, my my glaring takeaway, just like I can't. This is too soon. Like this guy should still be playing as. Part of what through, went through my mind. He should he should be on the other side playing for another team uh, coming to Montreal rather than wearing that nice jacket and addressing the crowd. I was about to say, like I, I, I like I said, that part of the conversation still in a box. I just want to add with Carey Price. Can you think of any other player in NHL history where their case to make the Hall of Fame is stronger than having their number retired for the team they played for? Because that's what I think the debate's at with him. Hmm. There's got to be one somewhere because, you know, part of the Hall of Fame is, you know, what Kerry did with Team Canada. Like internationally, he's his resume is ridiculous and barely lost a game ever wearing a Team Canada sweater. Uh, and so, you know, won Olympics and World Cups and things like that. Uh, there's got to be someone else that I'm not thinking of or maybe players that have jumped around uh, to different organizations. You know, the, that's the true. The debate is like, did they spend long enough with this team? Like, obviously, this is an all-time great. Um, you know, I don't know. Like, the whole league retired Gretzky's ninety-nine, right? But he spent one season in St. Louis. Like, maybe there's an argument in St. Louis. Like, you shouldn't be retired. Like, you know, maybe that's the kind of thing. But you're right; it's it's unusual. I think it'll be more normal in in the modern game, though, because you know it just stands to reason. The longer history you have, it's it's harder to. It's harder to compare what happened 60 years ago to today, uh, and it doesn't get easier with time. It gets more complicated. Okay, PK Subban and the fact that he's not playing. I feel for the, I felt that, you know, I'm not completely surprised that he's at the point that he's at now where he's doing TV and he's not playing, only because of how, unfortunately for him, how the playing style and the numbers have kind of gone down in recent years. And because of the attention that he's been able to get through doing TV and 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 working on ESPN and occasionally just hanging out with Stephen A. Smith on the first take desk, like I figured, like I it, like it made sense in my mind that like hmm, you know if it's if he's not going to get picked up by an NHL team, someone is going to throw the bag at him to be on TV. And you saying like hey like that statement you said that line you said whether you meant it or not about the fact that he's probably making more money doing TV than what he'd be making in the league right now. 
my light bulb went off in my head and there's like a little mini me in my head being like, I told you, 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 I told you. So I feel very good about that. Thank you, CJ. Right. Well, and look, we actually shouldn't feel too bad for him about that because Hell nah. so many players struggle in retirement, struggle for a purpose, maybe struggle to find that next job. You know, what's great is, is I think PK is awesome on TV and I've enjoyed seeing like where he's got the telestrator out and he's going through guys like pregame fits when they're walking in the rink. Like, I think he's, he's just, he's built for this. Like that was evident. Like he was a young player and he was doing some sports net uh, TV work, like way back seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years ago. Um, so like, I don't think anyone's surprised to see him get here, but like, it's actually pretty cool that his, his main career ends as a player, but he's got this identity and he's got all these other interests and friends. And like, I, you almost worry about him less than you would for almost most players for stepping away. And the, the reality is where he was at as a player, like he was probably going to play for 800 grand this year with, you know, about the league minimum. And, you know, the truth is, is none of the top, top teams with a chance to win a cup were, were offering him that contract. And I think that that ultimately, like, I believe he could have got a job somewhere in the NHL, but if he was going to make less than he could make on TV, probably play for a team that didn't have Stanley Cup ambitions, maybe be in a city he wasn't all that keen to live on. You can understand why he's instead doing work for ESPN, you know, being able to spend his time between Toronto and New York, um, you know, move on to that next phase and start to build a, a second and you probably have a third and a fourth career. I mean, there's, there's very little. I don't think that someone with his personality and intellect and connections can do. And, and I would expect he's going to be on our screens in one shape or another for another 20 years. Anyway. I wonder if uh, the SDPN poaches him for a pot. Now, you know what? I'm not gonna. Yeah. You know what? You know what? You know what? I'm sure the SDPN is teasing enough stuff for this year. Let me not put that in people's minds. Uh, one last thing with Subban before we move on. I wonder if the Canadians were interested at any point in bringing him back as a player uh, during the off season. And like, my, this is how I, this is how I picture it in my head. Maybe they weren't necessarily interested, but they thought, hey, you know what? If you don't play, like, we should mend the fences. Like, I wonder how that discussion, I would love to know, like, what led to Jeff Molson, the organization being like, hmm, you know what? Like, now's the time for us to have this type of ceremony for PK. I would love to know how that happened. Well, I'm under the impression they weren't interested to bring him back as a player. And that, you know, that makes sense. Like, this is a rebuilding yeah. year in Montreal. That that might have been a PR type of move, but you know, like this is a tough season. That, look, they've introduced a lot of different players on their blue line too. I mean, they wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily want to block avenues for some of these younger guys: Arbor Jack guy, Justin Barron, um, Kovacevic, Jordan Harris, waivers um, from from Winnipeg. I mean, they they want to introduce these players to the team, and so you know, having other veterans ahead of them might not make the most sense, but it's pretty clear that Jeff Molson prioritized mending the fence publicly uh, with PK as soon as possible. And, you know, I do believe this came right from ownership. This wasn't uh this wasn't a front office decision. This was the, the top of the front office, you know, wanting to, to have PK back and to, to welcome him. And I, I think it's the right thing to do it, it. You know, he still does charitable work with the, the children's hospital in Montreal. I think that this leaves the door open to have him involved in other ways and future ceremonies you know, I, I think that the, you know, a lot of teams have had this with sort of notable players. It doesn't always end well, right? The business of hockey can be difficult or the business of pro sports. It's not just a hockey related thing. Um, but it, there's no reason for him not to be going back there for the next 50 years worth of ceremonies. And, you know, especially when they honor some of his former teammates and all those things in, in the years to come. And so, 
Um, yeah, I don't think that the door was open for him to play for them this year, but but certainly they're probably open to to doing all sorts of things with him now moving forward. And that was a big first step we saw this week. Probably, I, I would I would imagine the next step for Bubi for him to become an ambassador, to like what they've done with certain former players who have already retired, like a Chris Knuckles Nyland or a Patrice Brisebois, like some of those guys who go on to that. He might stage be too busy groups. though. That that's also fair too. That's the thing. Like a lot of those ambassadors have to appear at a lot of community events and be in the city a lot. I mean, given given his TV work, uh, he's an ambassador, maybe in not an official role, but in more of an unofficial one, perhaps. That is very true. But uh, yeah, PK Subban honored at the Bell Center, honored uh, by the Montreal Canadiens. A very interesting ceremony. And uh, I, I, I'll just say this: I love the fact they ended it on that triple low five. That's the best way they could have ended it. Yeah, that was good. That was yeah, good. That was good. Okay, let's talk about the Seattle Kraken. And let me mention this, actually. So earlier this week, when we were talking about what the show would look like for Monday show, we had a brief discussion about the Boston Bruins and mentioning them about how great they've been all year. And we figured with all the topics we were going to talk about on the Monday show and the fact that CJ had a surgery to get to right after that, maybe it was a better idea to table it for the episode later in the week. It is hilarious now that even if we might still get to the Boston Bruins, we're going to talk about the team that handed them their first regulation loss of the reg- of the regular season. And a team that I don't know if I have them as a playoff team entering this year, and they could disrupt a ton of things in the Pacific Division. The Kraken are 6-0-0 on their road trip. Uh, I mentioned the thing with Boston. They're third in their division right now, and they're only four points off of first. The Seattle Kraken, what, what is going on with this team? Why are they so good? What's your give me analysis? Well, let's call them the disruptors. I like that because they they yes. are they're they're the shit disturbers of the NHL this year. Um, and you know it's pretty evident. You get this deep in the season, like I, I think it's for real. Uh, it's not to say they're going to march into the playoffs. So they've obviously been on a real hot hot run, but you know they score a lot of goals, man. Like I think that that's what stands out to me about their lineup is they get production up and down. I mean they, they don't have what we might bill as a frontline superstar at this point, you know, Matty Beneers would be their, their probably most impressive individual talent at this point, but you know, he's 20 years old. He's still actually had a good chat with him uh, last week when he was through Toronto, just about adjusting to playing this many games. Like he's already played the equivalent um, number of games he played last year in the NCAA, you know, he's just a little over halfway through an NHL season. So, you know, it's, it's been a tough road for him or just something he's had to adapt to. Um, But they, they're sneaky good. And they've been getting some better goaltending, I think, of late too, which which really helps. And they just turnstiled the Eastern Conference. I mean, they they scored a lot of goals. They've won seven straight games, and and you know, I think that they have some interesting decisions leading up to the trade deadline. Like my understanding of their approach is they're not going to be. I don't think they're going to be heavy buyers, even with where they're at. Like I, I don't think that they want to derail the larger plan and start trading a bunch of draft picks and things like that because. You know, obviously, just as a second-year team, they're still trying to build up their prospect base. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden, I think we're looking at them taking one of the Pacific Division spots, which means there's one less for Calgary, Edmonton, L.A., you know, teams that were really counting on being there and, and might still be there, but might need a wildcard entry now if if Seattle is where they're at. And I think it's a great story, honestly. I mean, this, this team was nowhere last year, and all of a sudden, uh, they're getting everyone's attention. Like last year, we were thinking, wow, they built this team the complete wrong way. We we were thinking too much about the Vegas Golden Knights and how their first season went 
And we all wondered, well, why didn't they take anything out of that playbook? And now all of a sudden, they look like a playoff team. I love their speed, too. I, I mean, it's one thing to look at the fact that they don't have a bona fide superstar, but they play well together and they're they're just quick off the rush. Like it's they're a really fun team to watch, especially with a guy like Matty Beneers. Sure. And look, they, they got proven players in the league like Jane Schwartz and Jordan Eberle and you know, guys that have had a lot of success, maybe not been again frontline, top of the top line superstars, but players who've been very productive and and useful NHL players for a long time. I mean, you know, they signed Andre Burakovsky. They've they've got they've got guys. Um, but it, it just has really come together for them. And to have a road trip like this, like this is that's the sort of thing that will define their season, I think. I mean, that that's that's a prove it. That's I think they were on the road for almost two straight weeks. Won every game, won a lot of them convincingly. Went into Boston at the end to 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 get a, a victory there, where no team has won in regulation all year. I mean, those are those are the kind of blocks that that will propel them forward. And and you know, I think it's it's an ominous slash bad sign for the Flames and and the Oilers to a degree. Again, there's still a world where all those teams can make the playoffs. The, the math would add up to that, but it just you know one of the things. And and not to, I haven't even mentioned the Golden Knights. I mean, this is yeah. all all of a sudden the, the, you know there's it's just there's a finite number of spots and and in Edmonton and Calgary I think neither team has really played to their potential this year hasn't hit their stride over long enough stretches of time and and you now you're you're threatening yourself with you know maybe an ill-timed injury comes along like you're you're playing with fire a little bit right I mean even the Avalanche in the Central are playing to some degree with fire they're they're you know producer Drew isn't going to want to hear this uh, from the STP <laughs> nation here but but you know their their team we all expect them to get it together but like they're flirting with you know, maybe having one or two things go wrong and you could miss the playoffs altogether. And so, you know, that's that's the fun part. That's why the, we we have the season. You know, we make our predictions and they're usually not worth the paper they're printed on. And uh, I don't recall either of us bigging up the crack and heading into this year. I mean, we, we've given them some love as it's gone along because they've been pretty strong since since the get-go. But this, this is a, a punctuation exclamation mark. And now you know, I think there's a certain amount of Onus on Ron Francis. I know their their scouts are getting together soon. Their pro scouts to plan and chart out their their you know their way into the deadline. And now they might have to be thinking at least a little bit differently, even if they don't want to sacrifice. Like you know, I've heard some people say Bo Horvat. Like I I don't see them making a big pitch for a, a you know someone on an expiring deal. That would be a departure from what their plans are. But I guess you have to at least have that thought experiment if you're in their front office or on the scouting staff because. You know, I think making the playoffs has a lot of value for them at this early stage, even if we don't see them necessarily as cup contenders. I mean, you want to you want to build that. You want to create that excitement in your market. You know, they're going to have the Winter Classic next year. I mean, Seattle is going to become an it spot in, in, in the league pretty quickly here. I think of all of the NHL cities I haven't been to. There's a bunch. Seattle's like near the top for me now. And it's like right there. Like, I, I hope I'm able to go to a game before the season's over, at least next year or whatever. But like. Like you're absolutely right with the idea that it could be that it is an it city right now. Like it's the arena, the, the team is playing pretty well. Like I imagine the fans too; they've been enjoying it. Like the Kraken are, and you've mentioned on the previous episode too, they're among uh, one of the higher revenue generators for the league too. Like they're they're doing pretty right. well. Well, it's a great sports city, right? Like you look at how the Seahawks get supported, how crazy that that stadium is. I've actually been to a Mariners game like that. The Mariners get supported well in Major League Baseball. And there's a richer history of hockey in the Pacific Northwest, I think, than maybe people that grew up where I did, you know, out in the East would, would realize. And, you know, the WHL teams have historically been supported really well in Seattle and Portland in that area of the world. And so I, I think it's 
I don't even know if it's a sleeping giant. I mean, I think it, they're already awake there. I mean, they, from all indications, they get a great crowd at Climate Pledge Arena. I think that they've, you know, really got, you know, captured the attention of their fan base. This start will do it, right? Because for all the hype that accompanies the arrival of a team, you know, they lost a lot of games last year. They lost some one-sided games early um, that I think, you know, it's it takes some of the, even if you expect that of an expansion team, I think the reality can take some of the wind out of your sails. But this year it's been been pretty smooth sailing. And like, who would have predicted this? Martin Jones is their number one goaltender, you know, at this point yeah. in time. Uh, you know, I know he's he's not on the same contract as Grubauer and Grubauer's had some injuries that have played into this, but Jones is logging most of the starts these days. And, um, you know, they've they've gotten a lot of wins, even though maybe his numbers haven't been up there among the best in the league. They, they've, they've found a way to patch it together. And I think that that's, you know, that's, that's great news for them. Um, I want to double back on uh, Bo Horvat in Seattle. That's admittedly something I missed from this week. That's that would have been that's that's a very interesting trade partner. I mean, you and you explained it, but the fact that you're saying like that would definitely change Seattle's plans if they were to go after such a player. But like that's that's interesting that Seattle would get mentioned with uh, Vancouver and all the mess that they've got going on. Well, I mean, look, I it just seems like it's a long shot to me. I mean, I, to me. Bo Horvat is going to go to one of the, the teams we see as a top tier contender, you know, if he's traded. And, and, you know, I still think that there's reason to believe the Canucks will take another run at signing him. And maybe, maybe they avoid having to trade him um, because we've seen, we've seen this script play out before with the Canucks in particular. Um, but, you know, if he's moved, I, you know, I think it's teams like Colorado, Boston, you know, maybe the Leafs make a call there. Uh, I think it's I think it's one of the absolute top tier contenders that are making that kind of trade because let's face it it's going to be a pretty big return that the Vancouver is going to need in order to to deal their captain who's having the best you know season production wise of his of his career and and you know still a player on the right side of thirty you know late twenties but you know you're 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 getting someone maybe in his peak um, who's who's given a lot to their organization so I, I just it would be hard to imagine the Kraken for me making that kind of swing at this point in their history. I mean, I could see wanting to add a little bit more up front, you know, as, as well balanced as they've been, uh, that the impulse might be there to add there, but I, I just, I don't know that they're going to do it with a rental. I mean, my, my understanding of their thought process, and this is a pretty recent, you know, bit of Intel is that they're, they're still not letting the bigger picture get out of focus here in terms of, you know, needing to, to stockpile draft picks and sort of build it, what we might call it the right way, the more traditional way, certainly a different way than Vegas has built it, right? Vegas has done nothing since entering the league, and I don't blame them. You go to the cup final in year one, what, that, that, that's like everyone has a plan to get punched in the face. I mean, that was a good punch in the face, but your plan completely changes. And then, you know, we've seen them be the, one of the most aggressive in terms of trades and free agent signings since. They haven't really developed their own players. They're seeing some of the early draft picks like Nick Suzuki develop in Montreal because that was part of the trade package to get Max Pacioretty at the time. And, and you know, I, I think Seattle's going to do it a more traditional way. And so... I don't see them making that kind of big splash, but who knows? Maybe if the winds keep coming, the, the pressure on the front office changes some of the thinking that that currently uh, you know is being had there. All right. Also, I love the saying, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. I say that as someone who has yet to be punched in the face. I got punched in the hand this week. It didn't feel that good. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tried to bring that up, but like <laughs> I can feel it. Even like right now, sitting still, like I can feel like the ache. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, before we get to stick taps, uh, I just I know I'm kind of springing it a bit on you, so you could totally say no. Anything out of anything else weird or newsworthy out of Vancouver 
there was a report going around, maybe not a report, but I heard Elliot talk about the fact that uh, maybe Rick Tockett might be an option for uh, succeeding Bruce Boutreau. That's something that kind of was on the internet for a little bit. He could totally be like, nah, I have no idea, but like, I'm just curious. Well, there's definitely been that smoke for some time. I think that Canucks did speak to Rick Tockett earlier in the year. You know, Rick Tockett's in an interesting spot. We talked about P.K. Subban earlier on. I mean, he's got a great job on TV. He's doing an awesome job with the TNT panel. You know, I know other teams have reached out to him at various points since, you know, his last job with the Arizona Coyotes. But, you know, he's he's making good money doing the TV thing. And I don't know that he needs to take any job that comes along. It's not to say he won't take one in Vancouver, but I think that there's a negotiation to be had there. And, you know, we'll see where it ends up. It's it's not a surprise that, you know, Bruce Boudreaux might be in trouble. You know, it hasn't appeared like he and management have been on the same page at any point this season um, based on a lot of public comments that have been made both in both directions. You know, he's on an expiring deal. And so the Canucks at some point will be hiring their next head coach and wouldn't be surprised if it's Rick Tocca, but I, I've got no reason to think that that's imminent or happening this minute either. I think that that's, that's an idea. Someone Jim Rutherford has some history with, you know, talk. It was part of those penguins teams when Jim was, was in Pittsburgh that, that won the back-to-back cups as an assistant or associate on, on Mike Sullivan's staff. And so mm-hmm. stay tuned. There, there's, it's, it's not uh there's certainly, I mean, I wouldn't be out here contradicting Elliot, but I, there's, there's some, there's some smoke there, but we don't have a full blown forest fire just yet. Okay. All right. And that is your Vancouver Canucks update from uh, one Chris Johnston. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction. Whatever your sport, Sports Interaction has you covered pregame, live betting on all major sports, and prop bets. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 and over. Please play responsibly. It's time for Steak Taps, where we uh, show someone or something some love. Uh, after a long week in the hockey slash sports world. CJ, do you have a stick tap? I do. It is for Lena Sopulanova, uh, a Slovak phenom in the women's side. Uh, I'm sure you saw the highlight this week. 14-year-old young girl playing at the women's under-18 championship in Sweden, scored a Michigan. There was some debate in my Twitter feed about whether the $1,000 I'd put on the board for a Michigan at the the, the men's world uh, oh! under-20 apply there. Um, I'll let you make the ruling on that, but, uh, you know, pretty cool one to see that move pulled off someone so young, you know, she's, she's an under four, she's a 14 year old at a under 18 event, uh, youngest player in the tournament. Who's, you know, been a, a superstar and, you know, let's face it in, in one of the knocks that, that have always dragged out in, in women's hockey is that there's, there's not enough variety of competition and, you know, Canada and the U S and, and everyone else. It's nice to see someone come along who's, who's redefining what we can think of that game from from a country like Slovakia uh, which is not produ- traditionally produced top level women's players so give her a shout out for uh owning her moment and uh we'll figure out how to get her a thousand bucks uh for for claiming the money on the board from the, the Chris Johnson show she'll take check I mean cash I'm sure she will too but I'm sure she'll take a check well I will I be like invalidating her her amateur status or anything if she wants to go to an NCAA no school at some point in time I I mean, this wasn't the intent, but, you know, I, I do want to honor my word, too. I think you should, like, treat it like an NIL deal. Yeah, I might have to. Maybe she, maybe we'll sponsor. She'll, like, she'll rep the CJ show or something. Maybe that's a way to, to to you know, justify her achievement or to reward her achievement. All right. Uh, my stick tap will go to uh, Everett Fitzhugh and Pete Rutgazer, uh, both play-by-play men, both black play-by-play men, 
Uh, Everett works for the Seattle Kraken, and uh, Pete works for uh, the well, covers the Montreal Canadiens for TSN 690. Uh, Seattle was in Montreal earlier this week, and uh, there's a nice photo Everett put up on his Twitter. Uh, and it looks as if, and, and I, I can't think of any other time this has happened, but an NHL game where two black play by play men uh, calling the same game that's history right there. As we continue to try to see more inclusivity in the game of hockey. Uh, it's not just with players. I think also with the media side, who's hosting these podcasts, who's calling these games, who's hosting these shows like that plays a huge role in what people see. So for Everett and for Pete, the fact that they were able to accomplish history earlier this week, I think that is worthy of a massive stick tap. You're here, man. Right on, gents. That's awesome. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for the Thursday slash Friday edition of the CJ show. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode. Get your questions in now for ask CJ, uh, whether they happen to be about hockey, whether they, if you want to know more about the surgery that he endured, uh, <laughs> I don't know if he wants to go into that. We should a have done a more, full ask CJ in that recovery room. Like the nurse could have been the first question oh. and then we could have had a few more like, well, you had me in a compromised state. You could have got the the real truth out. Just like live streaming him, just like in his hot in the hospital bed, just like, yeah, I think Austin Matthews will sign for five years or something like that. I don't know. I actually wish uh, I knew what I said. I honestly don't know how I answered her, but I know for I sure know. she asked that question. Man. <laughs> just can't believe she just straight up just asked, like, all right, what's going on? <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, get your questions in, whether on Discord or on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, however you listen to the podcast. And we'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. Enjoy your weekend. And peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.